Welcome to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. I'm Amanda. And I'm Elizabeth. Thanks for joining us today. Around this time last year, we had a welcome surprise and a jump in grain prices. And that jump has hung around and demand still seems to be strong. Now that harvest is wrapped up, we have a better idea of how big the 2021 harvest was. And we want to look at how that will affect prices moving forward. And a flower, Cargill is joining us. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, how are you today? I'm good. Could you please introduce yourself for the listeners? Sure. I'm Andrea. I work at Cargill in Sydney. Um, I've been there for around, you know, 30 years. So I've been around for a little while, uh, all involved in the grain market and um, buying grain for all of our facilities. That's awesome. It sounds like you have quite a bit of experience and have seen a lot of the up and downs in at least the last 30 years. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So last year we asked, um, how does the price increase compare with the 2011-2012 timeframe? And you mentioned that increases from China and weather concerns in the Corn Belt were driving that do you, and also that it was occurring at an unexpected time of year. So we mm-hmm. did that podcast, I think, in January. So how has this continued to be a driver? Or are there other factors that have come into play as we continue to see um, those price levels remain where they were, I guess, about a year ago, too? Yeah, currently we are at very similar price levels um, that we saw throughout the year last year. But we've definitely taken a pause. After the big crop that we just harvested, we're looking at carryout situations that are bigger than what they were last year. When we entered the, you know, the summer, when we entered harvest, the expectation was from a corn perspective, maybe we'd be, you know, fairly similar in carryout to last year and uh, have an opportunity to continue to see corn prices rally throughout the year. Um, And it's kind of calmed down a little bit with that because yields were just so big across the country. And now suddenly uh, demand has cooled off maybe a little bit versus what we saw last year. Um, We've seen some pickup in an ethanol demand, but we've actually seen maybe a bit of a decrease from an export perspective. Um, what we're basically looking at now is the potential for a bigger carry out this year from on the corn side than what we had last year. Therefore, it doesn't feel as positive in a futures standpoint as what it did last year. From it, it just doesn't look like we're going to see the market rally much beyond where we are today unless there is something new that comes into the market. China getting aggressive and buying a lot more bushels than what we've seen so far or maybe Brazil having trouble with their safrina crop um, and it not coming in as as big as it looks like it's going to. Because currently South American weather is really pretty good. Brazil, I'm not sure can be much better right now. Argentina has some issues, but Brazil looks pretty darn good. When we look at the overall supply in the U.S. and in the world, it appears there's plenty. When you've got plenty, the market doesn't feel it needs to do as big a job as rallying. But one of the things that's going on in the market this year that we didn't have last year is just all the concern with food inflation and what we're going to see happening down the road as we're seeing 
differences in the green fuels that we're talking about and we're hearing about and we're seeing change as we're going to be able to see corn oil and canola oil and soybean oil go to be made into uh, a renewable fuel um, in a different process than what we've seen in the past, something much more efficient. And suddenly we're going to be taking some of that out of the regular food uh, production and being used in other ways. And so now suddenly we've got that food versus fuel thing happening again, and we've got food inflation occurring. Really what we've seen, the market is really trying to figure out what does that mean? Where are we going to see values go in the future uh, around prices when we have that whole uh, need for uh, the fuel side of the the equation. And today, even though the market's been pretty volatile lately, you know, up and down here the last couple of weeks, overall, the market doesn't want to sell off uh, until we have a better feel on how this is all going to work out. And I always kind of look at the, the window of the crop year. So we're just at the beginning of the crop year and we've got to get all the way into August uh, to next year to really know what's going to happen. So uh, uh, along that whole window of time, um, we could see a lot of things change. And so it's early enough in the crop year that the, the market does not want to sell off, even though fundamentally we know we've got a bigger carryout, we've got tons of supply. Um, export demand is, I'm going to say so-so, it's good, but it's not great. It could be better, but you've got domestic demand that looks pretty darn good. Today, there's every reason to believe we just need to maintain prices at status quo until we get more information. And part of that, too, is about what are acres going to be next year. As we move forward, it just doesn't feel like um, we're going to get as much out of the export demand. That's maybe not going to be as big a story this year as what it was last year, but we are going to probably see weather continue to be an issue because right now the South American crop looks good, but boy, we, we're not even close to springtime in the U S yet to know what weather's going to be like here. Weather's going to continue to be something that we're going to watch and determine how it's going to affect the South American crop. And then the U S crop as we go forward. Yeah. That's crazy that we're already starting to think about how planting in the spring is impacting the markets now. Um, does soybean look any different than the corn market? I think for, for the soybeans, I think the story is different than what it is for corn. With We do have a tighter carryout, historically speaking, on corn than we do on beans. It's bigger than it was last year, but it's not over two billion. Right, right now, the USDA has got it pegged at 1.493 million billion bushels. So any, when you're less than 2 billion, the market, I don't want to say it's nervous, but it's cautious, right? Uh, we want to make sure we've got good crops coming down the road. From a bean perspective, however, we're looking at a carryout around 340 million bushels. And that's pretty big. Historically, it might be more like 175 to 200 million. So 340 is pretty big. And unfortunately, as slow as China is in buying U.S. bushels, the fear is it's going to climb closer to 400 million before the year's out. What with the weather being so good in Brazil um, and prices being so high, Brazilian farmers have planted a bunch of acres uh, into soybeans. They're talking about record acreage down there and potentially a record soybean crop. 
the weather right now, I keep telling customers maybe couldn't be much better for them from a bean perspective. They've got a couple areas in the southern part of the country that that are pretty dry, but overall the expectations are very high for a record uh, soybean crop in Brazil. That pretty much says China is going to probably try to buy as many bushels as they can from Brazil. When you look at um, current world prices, it's cheaper for Brazil to buy from China in February, March, April. And actually, it's starting to come a little bit closer equation-wise in January as well. Uh, Cheaper for for China to buy from Brazil than it is from the U.S. Uh, Today in January, it still says you need to buy from the U.S. because they don't think there'll be any Brazilian new beans harvested until at least the end of the month of January. Therefore, you know, we still have an edge there, but we're slowly but surely running out of kind of the export window. Uh, China traditionally, once Brazil starts harvesting, China traditionally will begin to buy all of their bushels from Brazil and Argentina. And so we just don't have that much time left uh, for China to be buying much from the U.S. With such a big crop, we probably won't really see exports pick up much in the, the late summer either. Sometimes we'll see that because Brazil and Argentina will basically run out of bushels per se. Um, they'll sell everything they have. And so in the end of the, the year, then China tends to have to come back to the U.S. in July and August and so forth because South America doesn't have any left. But with such a big supply, um, the odds are a little bit less that that's going to happen this year. What we're basically going to have to be dealing with from a bean perspective, then the balance of the year is going to be crush demand. And it's going to be good. Um, there's no doubt about that. That whole discussion around re- renewable fuels um, is going to take a bunch of soybean oil. Now, a lot of those plants still need to be built. We're not going to see the effects of that for another six months to a year. But it's that anticipation and, and that buildup of trying to get those supplies built for when that does happen. Um, we also have an uncharacteristic kind of strong, strong demand for protein. The soybean meal market actually is exceptionally strong right now. Um, when we look across the U.S. And, and into the export market, you know, just strong demand for crush. And so today, the, the main part of what we're seeing happen from a demand perspective for beans is really around crush. And I think we're going to continue to see that here for the balance of the year. But the problem is, and it's the same thing on the corn side, you basically have one-sided demand. Historically speaking, uh, crush demand in the U.S. is very similar to what what the export demand is out of the U.S. for beans. You know, this year it's probably going to be heavier weighted to uh, the crush side of the business and and the export side's probably going to be down a little bit. You know, you want to have strong uh, demand on both of those and one of them's probably going to lag a little bit, which means it's going to be hard for the market to rally when you just don't have as strong as demand as you normally do. And then you already have a great big carryout uh, to go along with that. Uh, from a corn perspective, you know, kind of similar from the perspective of we've got a, a bigger carryout than last year, not as big as normal, but bigger. Um, today, though, you know, you got domestic demand uh, from a from a ethanol perspective as well as a feed perspective. Feed numbers are supposed to be pretty good for corn this year too, but again, that export side just not. Um, as big as normal. Now, exports for corn are kind of a, if we've got it, we'll export it kind of thing. So 
it's not quite as big of a, an issue from a corn perspective as it is for beans, but corn's going to be able to maintain strength because we've got to make sure we've got a good U.S. crop coming on. Beans, you know, we're going to plant a lot of beans. Everybody's talking about input prices for corn. Um, and how that could affect maybe more bean acres in the U.S. And that's another thing that is really putting a damper on what bean prices are going to be able to do. Corn's maybe going to be able to hold on a little bit longer until we really see what are the acres in the U.S. How does it get planted? What does the growing season, early growing season look like? Beans is kind of like we're going to get them. Yes or yes. We know we're going to plant a bunch of bean acres. So as we go forward, it's just not as big a deal. And I think beans could have a shorter shelf life, I guess you could say, than what corn is. I mean, beans, I'm trying to encourage customers, you know, really think hard about selling a, a, a bigger percentage of your current bean crop in the next two months or so and get uh, bushels for next year sold uh, here in the next couple months, because those honestly could be some of our better prices unless there's a weather problem next spring or summer. But from a corn perspective, definitely I think have a longer window of time that we can see some rally in this market, you know, all the way out into spring until we really know for sure what are acres going to be and how is it going to lay out uh, it with weather as we get out there. Now, one follow-up question, you mentioned crushed plants being built. Does that tie back to, you indicated an increase in soybean oil for renewable fuels, or is there another driver for that? Yeah, the plants that are being built are actually bound around the fuel. They'll fu they're basically, I'm not going to call them biodiesel plants. They're not biodiesel plants, but they're, they're renewable fuel plants is what they are. So it's not necessarily a crushed plant. It's a, a, a renewable fuel plant that's being okay. built. Bunch of them on each of the coasts uh, that are planned and in progress. Um, and we're going to see them take a bunch of vegetable oil uh, from the U.S. Uh, in the coming years when those get built. Okay. Well, that's pretty exciting. Have you seen, shift gears a little bit, have you seen basis around Ohio um, be impacted primarily by pandemic issues or what has been driving that price? Yeah, basis is going to be, I think, interesting. I mean, it's honestly not going to, you know, when you look at the S&Ds, basis may not make sense considering the supply that we have, but it's all about, basis is all about when are bushels moving and, and who needs the bushels when. And um, the last couple years, we've seen a lot of grain movement through the winter months, DCN, Feb, March, a lot of grain movement. And a lot of that was around the fact that futures, when futures finally decided to rally, it was through that winter month timeframe. This year, we're seeing futures be a lot more steady, um, and in fact, a lot more up and down within the same range. We're not making new highs. We just keep recycling the same prices we've had over and over, and that appears to be what our pattern is going to look like here over the next couple months. Well, when that happens, uh, customers will sell, uh, say, for example, you sell corn at five seventy-five. dollars and then the next sale, you want to try to ratchet up to $6. Well, if $6 doesn't come, you're like, hmm, I can wait. I don't need to do anything right now. And so what happens is we see basis numbers in appreciate trying to combat that and get it closer to that $6 level that customers are looking for to sell. I think we're going to see some fairly decent basis numbers here over the next couple months, because if futures are not going to rally, 
farmers have all the way out until next July or August before they have to empty their bins. Therefore, we may not see as much selling here through the winter as what we've seen the last couple of years, which is going to keep basis maybe appreciating. Now, I'm not saying it's going to get crazy and go to you know, 50 cents over or 60 cents over or anything like that. But I do think it's going to continue to appreciate a little bit each week, just trying to keep customers continuing to sell grain into the market. Because, you know, for us, we've got demand every day. Um, We need to make sure we have a steady flow of grain coming in both corn and beans. And so basically, I'm suggesting to customers, make sure you're coming back to me, tell me, what the level is that you want either from a flat price perspective or a futures perspective or basis perspective. And let me know what it is, because especially as you get into the holidays or long weekends or something like that, you know, we may find that our facilities decide, Hey, you know what, I'm willing to go do a a special cash price special or a basis special for a specific window of delivery because those are periods we know are going to be fairly quiet and we're not going to be getting very many unloads. So as long as we know what customers want, we might be able to, you know, hit and miss, pick some of those out and um, pay those kinds of numbers to customers um, in order to facilitate deliveries for when we need them. So I got one other question, I guess, just curiosity. How did you see your clients dealing with concerns about running out of storage this year? With the high yields. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it, that was, it, that's been an interesting situation because, yeah, we, we've definitely seen customers who have been out of space, but because harvest was so strung out, you know, we were expecting from a bean perspective for Sydney, usually that week of uh, farm size review, it really kicks in and we get a lot of harvest started. Well, it started raining and, um, So we just had some that started right before that, then they were out for a week and then you got some in again for four or five days and it rained again. And same thing with corn. I mean, we're still have customers trying to finish up corn. Hopefully the biggest chunk of them will get done this week, but harvest has been so strung out this year. It's allowed customers to kind of shift things around and move bushels into this and maybe put some into a space they might not typically use or put beans into um, some corn space and, and um, you know, then pull them back out when corn got started again, just in time to pour a bin or, you know, whatever. It's been interesting to see how things have gone. Certainly there's been customers who have had to sell maybe a little bit more grain here in the fall than they expected because yields were so good. Um, but it's been so strung out from a harvest perspective that it, People have found places to put grain and um, maybe places they might not normally put grain. Um, so it's been uh, it, it's good because it means for us as a as an end user, it's good for us because we know it's out there and it's just a function of finding the right price or, or uh, uh, maybe time that a customer needs to sell something and get that moving again. So I like all the extra space. I like people having the time to find someplace to put it because it means later we might have an opportunity to work with them and buy that grain. To switch it up from some corn and soybean talk, wheat prices surprisingly have remained pretty high and wheat is profitable still. It's a rare thing to see. So what's going on there? Yeah, you know, that's that's been an interesting situation because we're looking at a carryout, a world carryout on wheat that's a lot smaller than what we've had in a long time. 
And then you've got some areas here and there around the, the world that have had some weather problems too, that have affected their own personal production numbers and so forth. And, you know, today we're seeing the market saying, Hey, you know, we don't have as much wheat as we normally do. Um, this is a bit of a concern because everybody needs wheat. Right. And um, honestly, it feels like until we get further along in some more of the production, uh, world production areas and know how those are going to lay out. I mean, there's still opportunities for wheat to continue to rally. Um, I think our market advisors are kind of thinking somewhere in that, you know, 840 to 850 level from a, a new crop for July 22 futures. So, I mean, there's still room for this market to rally, maybe another 40 or 50 cents. And um, I think customers want to definitely try to make sure they can take advantage of that. We are continuing to kind of watch the situation in, in uh, you know, uh, Russia in particular, who is continuing to kind of look at um, tariffs uh, for exporting wheat so they can try to keep it in the country. They're actually raising export tariffs out of their country to kind of keep it in their, their own country. And we're seeing some other things happen like that around the world, too. And in the short term, um, there are going to be opportunities. I would say in the next uh, four or five months, though, we will have a better indication on what production numbers look like. Therefore, another indication that really in the next four or five months, if you have pricing to do for wheat, it, you might want to get those offers in, you know, up into that 840 850 area on um, the July 22 futures and try to get some more of those done um, because maybe that's where this thing's going to tap out. Okay, so as we wrap up here, just a quick summary, because I feel like we covered a lot of stuff, talked about a lot of different factors that might affect grain prices. Just a quick summary of where you think prices might go for corn and soybeans over the next few weeks and months. Um. My suggestion to customers is look at the recent charts and use that as a bit of a guide. So from a standpoint on, on you know, January bean futures uh, in the next couple months, you know, I really believe that we're going to have an opportunity to get close to some of the recent highs again. But I do, I am telling them, I think maybe one or two more times might be it though, because of Brazil just looking so good. Um, I've suggested customers put in offers somewhere around, you know, a 1250 to a 1275 cash price. You know, today it's, it's around the 1220. So, you know, you're looking at maybe 30 to, to maybe, um, 80 cents, you know, we get back to, to that kind of high, but I just don't think beans are going to be able to do a lot more than that based on what we know today. Uh, from a corn perspective, it's a little bit more difficult because when we look at corn, that acreage piece is going to be a huge deal. And, you know, a lot of customers are talking about the cost of inputs, especially nitrogen and even the availability of products in the spring. And they're all trying to figure out for sure, should I cut back on corn? Um, you know, how should I manage my, my rotations this year? But, you know, people like to plant corn, you know, that's all there is to it. You don't want to be all beans, you know, they all want to do corn. They all want to do beans both. And, you know, so as we move forward, how much are we going to see acreage switch? And, you know, I just, 
I really have a hard time believing it's going to be as significant as what a lot of the talk is. But it is until we know the traders are going to kind of stay on edge and, and not want to do much. You know, when you look at December 22 futures, they've been on a fairly steady upward trend ever since last summer. Um, now, here in the last few days, we've broken because of the concern of the new uh, COVID variant. You know, honestly, over the last couple of years, you know, you kind of have that up and down as new information comes out. But for the most part, commodities have kind of continued on the uphill track because people are going to eat um, every day. And therefore, commodities are going to continue to maintain value. But December 22 corn futures have continued to rally here short term because of all this discussion around, you know, inputs uh, and the costs and, and what's it going to do. The question is, how much further will it go? Because although the traders are well aware of what inputs are, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that just because input prices go up, the commodity prices are going to go up. Um, there's some correlation for sure, but because you've got to make sure that you incent farmers to grow corn. But at the end of the day, we could see somewhere along the way, you know, December future say, nope, I am feel good about what the acre is going to be and, and we're done. So um, December corn is a little bit different than what we're seeing from an old crop March futures perspective, because March futures for the current crop have been fairly sideways. Um, you know, we rallied a little bit uh, through October, you know, got past harvest and so forth, or well, harvest or so forth. But since then, we've been fairly sideways and I would expect corn probably will continue to be so. So when you look at the current ranges, you know, I still think it is very valid to put in a $6 cash offer because I think we'll, we'll get an opportunity to trade something like that on the nearby. And then I would say, go ahead and be willing to look at something between six and 650 for corn. It's definitely going to have a, a, a little bit more opportunity than what we're going to see on beans, I think, going forward. Andrew, you've shared a lot of great information with us today. I know I always learn so much listening to you talk about everything that's going on in the grain markets. If our listeners would like to get in contact with you, how is the best way to do that? Yeah, absolutely. They can call me or they can email me, whatever uh, they want to do. Um, my email address is Andrea underscore flowers at cargill.com or um, they can reach me by calling our uh, grain origination phone number 937-419-7149 and be glad to talk to him about what's going on in the market. All right. Thanks. And I'll pop that in the show notes for listeners. Again, thank you. And if you guys are interested in more Ag Outlook information, uh, make sure to be on the lookout for our extension Outlook meeting dates. We'll be having those January, February, and maybe some into March this winter. Andrea, thanks again. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to the Agronomy and Farm Management Podcast. Join us again in two weeks for our next episode. Hey, podcast listeners. Just a reminder to give us a like or subscribe so you know when we release new episodes. If you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to leave us a review also. We appreciate the comments.